Somebody, there's some people on fire here in the house of God today. If, uh, if, you, if, you, if this is your first time today and you're wondering what, what, kind of, what kind of prayer that was, that's a prayer by a man who's on fire. And the scripture reading was of a man who needs to learn some Hebrew. Hallelujah. just want to welcome everybody here to today's service. Our God is a mighty God. There's a mighty word from the Lord uh, that I'm here to deliver uh, to you. Uh, let's look at First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 1. Hallelujah. Word of the Lord says, Now these are the men who came to David at Ziklag. While he could not move about freely because of Saul, the son of Kish. And they were among the mighty men who helped him in war. Hallelujah. Stop right there. Word of God says they were mighty men who helped David in war. The NIV calls them warriors. Today, we're going to look at the mighty warriors of David. Hallelujah, of David. Who were they? Where were they from? And what did they do? Verse 1, it mentions a town called Ziklag. Everyone say Ziklag. Ziklag. Now, if you don't know what Ziklag is about, I encourage you to read 1 Samuel 27. Okay, if you go to that uh, chapter, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell right now. In 1 Samuel 19, David was on the run from King Saul. Because Saul was filled with an evil spirit and repeatedly tried to kill David. And he was trying to hunt him down and pursue him and take his life. So David, what he did was he went out and he hid in the caves and in the wilderness. He was living on the run. Now eventually, in order to get Saul to stop pursuing David, what David did was he actually went and lived among the Philistines. I don't know if you guys know that about David. If you don't know who the Philistines are, let me give you a clue. Goliath was a Philistine. David killed tens and thousands of Philistine soldiers. Okay. It's kind of a very strange move to go and live among the Philistines. But that's exactly what David did. And when David did that, Saul actually stopped pursuing him. Now... As he was living with the Philistines, God showed David a lot of favor. There's a guy, uh, king of, the king of Gath, Ashish. He showed David a lot of favor, and he allowed David and some of the men that were uh, with him and their wives, he gave them a village called Ziklag to live in. So Ziklag was the town where David was living when he was uh, on the run. There were hundreds of men who believed that David was anointed as the new king. And they followed him and they joined this gang. And this gang, this ragtag group of people, eventually became the mighty warriors of David. Uh, Let's look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, They were bowmen, and they could shoot arrows and sling stones with either the right or the left hand. Now, that's some skilled warriors. If you ever play baseball, 
If you bat right, trying to learn how to bat left is a very difficult challenge. If you play basketball, you shoot with your right or your left, and you try to shoot with the other ambidextrous hand, that's a very difficult challenge. So these warriors, they're very skilled. But let me tell you right now that when these mighty men first joined David, they weren't mighty warriors. They were mighty distressed. Okay, 1 Samuel 22 tells us that. It tells us that when they came to David, they were distressed, in debt, and discontented. In the King James, it says those three words. Distressed, in debt, and in discontented. Now, this is good news for you. Because this means that no matter how discouraged or depressed you feel, God can turn you into a mighty warrior. Amen? No matter how many times the devil has tried to beat you down and called you a failure, the angel of the Lord says, rise up, mighty warrior. The horse may be made ready for battle, but the victory rests in the Lord. Hallelujah. And this word, this word really encourages your pastor here. Because sometimes I look at y'all. And I look at our vision. And I look back at y'all. And I look at God. And I say, Lord, how long? How long? And I I just have these conversations with God sometimes. I'm just playing. Y'all are really rising up, by the way. You see even David coming up to pray. and, And, you know, you can see really... God's raising up people here at this church. You know, actually, I was on the phone with Pastor Paul yesterday, and uh, when he called me, the first thing he said was, Homie, you are the most blessed pastor in the city of Seoul. That's the way he, I was like, hello? I'm like, yeah, man, yeah, amen, amen, amen. You know that? Do you know that? You know that you are so blessed. You are so blessed. I was like, hallelujah, yeah. Yeah, brother, I am. And, and, I, and I instantly thought that he was talking about the new car. But as he kept going, Pastor Paul never mentioned the car. I don't think he even knows about it. He just kept talking about what a blessing it must be to have a church that is raising up a fire-filled army. And he was just so excited. And he, he, said, he said this. He said that every time he prays for New Philadelphia, he weeps. He says he gets this sense of the incredible love and pleasure that God has toward our church. And he just weeps. And Pastor Paul, he doesn't do that. He's a gangster. He normally doesn't weep. And hallelujah. I mean, mean, God has really blessed our congregation. You know what? Cars can come and go. But what we got here at this church is really special. It's something truly priceless. And the beautiful thing about this church is The beauty that I see in the mighty warriors of David, hallelujah, is I believe the beauty that God is building up here at this church. You know, our church didn't come to be where we're at because a bunch of spirit-filled, tongue-talking warriors got together and decided to start a church. It's not our history. That's not how our church got to be where we are today. 
God took a church instead. He took a church full of broken, broke, battered, bruised, backslidden. He took a bunch of folks like that. Then he healed them, delivered them, and empowered them, filled them, and he turned them into mighty warriors of David. So that's the history of our church. And the warriors of David, they were shooting arrows, slinging stones, using the right hand, using their left hand. Hallelujah. That's what our church is doing. Hallelujah. People use the right hand, use the left hand. We don't stop there. We use our right foot. We kick the devil down. And then we use our left foot and we put it right on his neck. Keep him down. That's what our church be doing. Hallelujah. We get together to pray. Man, that's what it's all about. Possess the gate of his enemies. That's what our church is doing. Hallelujah. So, you know, it is really a blessing to lead this church. And I do believe that God is raising up mighty warriors of David right here at this church at this hour. So the first point of my message is the mighty warriors of David. They have humble beginnings. God does that to keep them humble. The vast majority of our church had a different story. We would probably be a lot more vulnerable toward pride. But because of the kinds of backgrounds, lives that we've lived, mistakes and failures we've made, and God redeeming us from all that, we have these humble beginnings, just like these mighty warriors of David did, who came to David distressed, in debt, discontented. Mighty warriors of David have humble beginnings that keep them humble. That's my first point. Let's look at verse 3 and 4. Verse 3 says, The chief was Ahiazar, then Joash, both sons of Shema and Gibeah. Also, Jezeel and Pelet, the sons of Azmapheth, Baraka, Jehu of Anatoth, Ishmaiah of Gibeon, a mighty man among the thirty and a leader over the thirty, Jeremiah, Jahaziel, Jaho, Jah, Yohanan, <laughs> well, yeah, Yozabad of Gedera, uh, Eluzai, Jeremoth, and you got the names, hallelujah. I fear you, David. <laughs> I want to focus on verse 4. Verse 4 says, Ishmaiah was a mighty man. Hallelujah. Sisters, tell me if I'm right, but we need some more Ishmaiahs in the house. Amen? You hear that, brothers? We need some more Ishmaiahs. I've been encouraged to see some of our brothers rising up these days. I just want to say, God bless you. But you know what? We got a long way to go here at this church. Turn to the back of your bulletin. Look at all the names of the leaders. Right? What are they? Right? Megan, Aaron, Lisa, Eno, Mina. Okay. There's a lot of sisters' names on there. I don't see many. Martin. <laughs> I don't see many brothers' names. Hi, Marcus, you too. Hallelujah. Now, I, I am, I'm not talking about anybody in here, but, you know, some men in the church, they try to use the Bible to invalidate or to look down upon female leaders in the church. 
They try to use the Bible to invalidate or look down on female leaders. Now, my issue with this is if the men will step up like men, then we wouldn't really have this issue. That's my take. If the men would truly step up like men, we wouldn't really have this issue. See, David didn't have this issue. Look at this long list of names here. Look at the entire chapter. And they are the men, they're the names of what? Men. They're the names of men. Hallelujah. We need some men. Amen. Amen. Men. Amen. Amen. Amen, man. <laughs> the men, they held the positions of leadership. Men, what I'm saying to you today is you got to rise up. Men, rise up. Men, you got to rise up. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if many of the female leaders in our church, they would have no problem stepping down if they were godly men. To step up and take their positions. Because you know what? When it comes down to it, the, the women, they don't mind not having a title or position. They just, they just want to serve. They're serve anyway. You know, when men don't step up, you get Judges chapter 4. If you look at the book of Judges, you got this whole book is filled with mighty men. Mighty warriors. Zephtha, Gideon. All these mighty warriors. But there are two mighty women that manage their way into the account. Hallelujah. And in chapter 4, you see, what was happening was the men, they weren't stepping up. And it's evidenced by uh, this guy named Barak. He has this cowardly response. Deborah the prophetess challenges Barak and says, You go out, you take out Sisera and his army, and God will give you success. And you know how Barak said? He said, are you going to go with me? If you don't go with me, I'm not going to go. And Deborah, by the spirit of the Lord, said, because you are responding this way, the glory of this battle will not go to you, but to a woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know who got the, vic- who got the glory of that victory? There's a housewife named Jael. It's a real interesting story. Cicero comes in, the king, he's like, he thinks he's escaped. And he goes into his tent and he's like, look, I'm thirsty. Give me some water. And she's like, oh, I got more than water. I got some milk. Why don't you come here? Drink some of this milk. You look tired. Why don't you go to sleep? And Cicero's like, oh, great idea, man. Oh, that's some good milk. Uh, and the milk was sour, so he just like fell asleep with the quickness. While he was sleeping, Janelle came over. She took a tent peg. And with one blow, she drove it right through the Cicero's temple. Got, and, and, the, and the tent peg went through his temple, through his skull, and then out into the other side. And he died right there on the spot. Jael, she was one gangster lady. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Most men, they just stab him in the stomach or something. Man, she just, whoo. Now, my issue is this. If God doesn't mind using female leaders to fill the empty spots left by the men. I don't mind either. These are the ways of the Lord. But you know what? That's not down to the issue. Men, you still got to rise up. All the frontline leaders, they should be men, in my opinion. 
And unfortunately, when I place people in leadership, it's not like there are nine brothers or, or, and one sister, and, and I'm choosing the sister. It's more like I got ten sisters to choose from. Right? Because the men of the church, not just at this church, but many churches, man, we are just, we're not rising up. And I think the devil has attacked the men of his generation. But I believe it's not going to stay that way. There will be a shift. God will get the order that he desires. And let me say a word about authority. If I have placed a leader, I don't care if it's male or female. If I place the leader at this church, you are to submit to them. Let me say a word about authority. That leader, you're to submit to them because their authority comes from my authority. And my authority comes from Pastor Huang's authority. And Pastor Huang's authority is delegated to from God. Okay, So that's just the way things work in the kingdom of God. You don't have a whole bunch of independent, thinking-minded people that work and move through the prophetic to make their own decisions. God uses the leaders he has put in place. Mistakes, weaknesses, and all, you are to submit to them. Because God is patient with those leaders. Hallelujah. So the, my second point is, the mighty warriors of David, they were men. So men, rise up. Rise up and represent. Hallelujah. That's my second point. Real simple. Let's, look at, um, let's go all the way down to verse 8 for my third point. Verse 8 says, From the Gadites there went over to David at the stronghold in the wilderness mighty and experienced warriors, expert with shield and spear, whose faces were like the faces of lions and who were swift as gazelles upon the mountains. Hallelujah. They were experienced. Hallelujah. The army of God needs to step out and serve. Pray for the sake. Lay hands on people. Get out there on the field. And get some experience under your belt. Hallelujah. You know, let me say something about missions. In your lifetime, you will have a limited number of mission trips that you can go on. You know that? You might be able to count it on two hands, the number of trips you can go on. Uh, and put it another way, you have a finite number of years to step out and serve while you're on this earth. You don't have till forever. Forever is once you get to the other side. On this side, on earth, you have a finite number of years. So this means don't just be a mighty, zealous warrior. Look, if all we got is zealous passionate, fire-filled warriors in the house. It's just like, calm down, y'all. Calm down, people. Because zeal without knowledge is not good, the Bible says. Word of God says in Proverbs 19.2, it is not good to have zeal without knowledge. What we need is fire-filled, passionate warriors who have experience under their belt. Who do not have zeal without knowledge, but they have zeal with knowledge. But we're not talking just book smarts. 
We're talking street smarts, amen? We're talking field smarts, field knowledge, that kind of knowledge, zeal with knowledge. And that's what these, some of these men that David was working with, they had. They were experienced warriors. Hallelujah. And the only way y'all can get that experience is to just go out and, and put yourself out there on the field. Get, get out here on the church and start serving people here. You know, the truth is, if I was going on a mission trip and I had to choose between a seminary professor, God bless them, and Pastor Paul, I would choose Pastor Paul every time. Not to say anything bad about seminary professors, but if all they do during the, during the year is just to stay in their office and study their books, look, I'm going to choose Pastor Paul. Look, if you were playing a football game or you're playing a basketball game, and you had to choose between somebody who studied basketball in the books and somebody who played basketball with Michael Jordan. You're going to choose a person that played with Michael Jordan. You're, gonna, you're always going to choose the experienced warrior. Amen? The value of that kind of knowledge. You can only gain it by stepping out. Third point, mighty warriors of David are experienced so get some experience under your belt by making yourself available to serve. That's my third point. Mighty warriors of David are experienced. So make yourself available to serve. Get out there on the field. Don't look at me every week and think that like 50 of my sermons are going to make you a mighty experienced warrior. It's not. Jesus said... A man who listens to the word of God and does not obey it. It's like a man who builds his house on sand. Look, if, you, if you're here at our church for two, three years, and then you get sent back home to wherever you need to go, and you go over there, and you start having all this trouble, and you email me, you call me, all right, I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. I failed as your pastor. I take full responsibility for what you're going through. I'm going to be like, man, go read the word of God, dude. Because every week I preach faithfully the word of God. It was up to you to apply it. It's not my fault that you're building on sand. I can't build that for you. You need to go and obey the word of God yourself. Hallelujah. Look at verse 8 again. It's, uh, verse 8 also says, they were expert with shield and spear. Hallelujah. You know, you don't become an expert in the shield and spear on the battlefield. You know that? You don't become an expert with the shield and spear on the battlefield. You don't. You don't go, I, I want to learn all about using the shield and spear, and let me go learn it on the battlefield. No, you're going to get yourself killed. It's not where you learn how to be an expert. You become an expert by training at home. So this means there is a place for you to do the studies, for you to get into the word, for you to read up, listen up, re-listen, practice, train yourself and your mind to become expert with the shield and spear. And if you're growing, each time you go out to the missions field or ministry opportunity, if you're growing and become an expert with these things, it's going to be exciting. But if you're stagnant in your faith, missions trips are going to be a burden. See, every time I go on a mission trip, it's exciting. I don't go to try to repeat what I did the last time I went. I go, I always lean on God for something new. 
Lord, show me something new. Lord, teach me something new. Lord, help me to apply what I just learned in the last six, eight, seven, eight months. And God always is faithful. So that's exciting. If it's same old, same old, man, that gets tiring quick. This generation, you're, you are fashioned for passion. I just made that up right there on the spot. Hallelujah. You are fashioned for passion, really. God has put an incredible amount of passion in this generation than in any other generation previous. He has. That's why when y'all backslide, you backslide so hard. Because when the church isn't, you're not experiencing the power, you're not experiencing something substantial in the church, you know what you do? You go to the world because they offer you something that does, is tangible. You get high on drugs, that stuff is like real. You go to church, they don't got nothing real for you there, it seems like. There's this incredible passion. So that's why a lot of people, I believe, they backslide so hard. And you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't hate on people who backslide that hard. I just, I just try to, using the word of God, speak the word of God into their lives. Because, man, once you can, mis- you can take that misdirected passion, put it to the kingdom of God, man, you're going to have some mighty warriors on your hands. Hallelujah. My fourth point, real simple. Mighty warriors of David, they are expert with shield and spear. They are experts with shield and spear. And the only way you can become an expert is you got to learn how to do the battle off the battlefield. Learn how to do battle off the battlefield. Hallelujah. Let's keep reading. That's a crazy part right here. Mighty and experienced warriors, verse 8, expert with shield and spear, whose faces were like the faces of lions and who were swift as gazelles upon the mountains. Woo, hallelujah. All these homies, they had the faces of lions. Now, I don't know if that meant that they had these crazy beards and these long manes. I don't know if they were, you know, what they're talking about. But if I was part of an army and I went to face in the army, they all looked like lions. That will freak you out. And they don't just look like lions. They probably act like lions. Hallelujah. I believe this portion of the word, it speaks of boldness. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked man flees, though no one pursues. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. Hallelujah. You know, lions are very bold creatures. You know, you go to a zoo, you know, oh, look at the cute bear. And the bear would be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, look at the cute chipmunks. <laughs> oh, look at the cute lion. And the lion just be like. <laughs> and the lions will do that stuff. The lions are bold. They're like, I don't care who you are. I am the king of the earth. I mean, lions really are. Like at the top of the animal kingdom in terms of the earth. They're bold. When you are at that top, you're very bold. Or, you know, as our identity is in Christ, the Bible says we're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. That means there is this level of authority. And it's higher than the authority that Satan has. It's higher than the authority of politicians. It's higher than the authority of man. It's the very authority of God. Delegated from the throne of Christ. If you realize that and you stay there, you will be very bold. Bold as a lion. 
And these mighty warriors, hallelujah, they were bold as a lion. In fact, they weren't just bold as a lion. They were swift as gazelles. You know what? Some people in the church, they are as slow as snails. But mighty warriors ain't all slow. Hey, hey, what do you think about this? Oh, well, I don't know. Let me pray about it. Hey, hey, hey. We're going to go out evangelizing next Saturday. Well, you know, you didn't tell me in advance, so let me pray about it. Some people mass slow. They mass slow. Hallelujah. <laughs> sometimes it's just refreshing working with people that are swift as gazelles. They're like just jumping around everywhere. Hey, Larry. Hey, Larry, can you do this? I'm, I'm there. I'm there. Larry, I didn't even tell you what you need to do. Come back here, boy. Crazy. Swift as gazelles. And some people just, they just ready to move. Hallelujah. Anyway, my fifth point. Anyway, they're they, they, they not only swift, they are ready to roll with the punches. That's what it means, I believe, to really be swift as a gazelle. You know, because a gazelle, you know, just hanging out and be doing something, chilling. And if that gazelle senses danger, that gazelle's going to like, you know, it's going to run around. And then if, if he's running one route and there's something else comes up, then he runs the another route. He rolls with the punches. Adaptability. That's what it means to be swift as a mighty warrior. Hallelujah. So my fifth point is the mighty warriors of David, they have the face of a lion and the speed of a gazelle. So get bold and be always ready to roll with the punches. Mighty warriors of David have a face of a lion and the speed of a gazelle. So get bold and be always ready to roll with the punches. Hallelujah. We're going to keep going. Look at verse. Uh, let's skip down to verse 14 and 15. Verse 14 says, These Gadites were officers of the army. The least was a match for a hundred men and the greatest for a thousand these are the men who crossed the Jordan in the first month when it was overflowing all its banks and put to flight all those in the valleys to the east and to the west. First thing I want to mention about this. These Gadites who joined David's company, they were officers. This speaks about leadership. Mighty warriors, man, we need some officers in the army. Hallelujah. And I believe this is, is talking because officers, if you know about the military, officers are oftentimes full-time workers. Oftentimes, military will train officers for the goal of making them full-time. So I, I believe these Gadites, these officers, it speaks about full-time ministers. You know, excuse me, full-time ministers, they don't just serve on the weekend. You know, they go to the front. They don't go to the front lines just once a year. They're there all the time. The lay minister, lay, lay leaders, you know, y'all, y'all do it you know, here and there where you're available. Full-time ministers, man, they got to be out there all the time. They got to be ready or they're going to get snuffed out. And First uh, Corinthians 12 here, verse 14 says that the least of them were as a match for a hundred and the greatest for a thousand. Hallelujah. You know, a full-time minister with a warrior spirit can go out and touch hundreds at one time. Lay leaders typically don't do that. You know, lay leaders meet with you. They meet with two. They meet with three. Oh, that's too many people. Oh. That's lay leaders. 
But full-time ministers, they can go out and touch hundreds at one time. You know, and it, it, regular laymen don't have that kind of impact. And if you do have that kind of impact and you're a lay leader, you might want to think about full-time ministry. If you see that kind of way that God's using you, you may want to consider full-time ministry because you might have that call. You don't, you're just running away from it. You might be resisting the call of God in your life. Um, and then once you have some experience and knowledge, you can be like Andreas Bisoni. And not just touch hundreds. You can touch thousands. See, some of these men, the least of them touch hundreds. That's just talking about full-time ministers that just that start out. But those who get that experience and they grow, they can touch thousands. Or if you want to be talking about Reinhard Harbanke, we're talking millions. Only full-time ministers will have that kind of impact and calling and influence. Hallelujah. So my sixth point is, mighty warriors of David, they had officers. Hallelujah. And I believe right now at our church, we don't have a single full-time minister. Did you guys know that? We don't have a single full-time minister. This church right now, we are in like kind of like a church plant mode. Well, actually, Myung-ho and Marcus, I guess they, they are closest that comes to our full-time ministers. But they're, they're taking full-time classes during most of the semester. We don't, we, don't really, we don't have any full-time ministers. But you know what? That's going to change. In the near future, God's going to raise up full-time ministers, officers. And they're going to be a match for a hundred. And those who grow, they will be matches for a thousand. And if you will, they will be matches for millions. Hallelujah. Well, in, with teamwork, with other ones moving in the millions, we'll get to the billions. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <clears throat> now, um, I want to take this time. Let's skip all the way down to verse 16. Actually, check this out. After verse 22, I want you to draw a line between verse 22 and verse 23. And I want you to, if, if you don't mind marking up your Bible, just go ahead and put a draw line between verse 22 and 23. Because from verse 1 to 22, it's talking about the mighty warriors that accompanied David when he was on the run, you know, when he was, you know, before he became a king. And then from verse 23 to verse 37, that section is talking about all the men that came and joined David in Hebron when King Saul died. You see, when King Saul died and committed suicide on the battlefield, that's when David started to take action to take the throne. But he didn't get the throne of Israel and Jerusalem right away. He was in Hebron for many years. And while he was at Hebron, the people who could discern that God had truly anointed David as the next king, they came out to Hebron and they joined him. And so that whole list of people, all those warriors that joined him later, these are warriors that join him once he's king at Hebron. And several years later, he takes Jerusalem. All right. Hallelujah. Now, look at verse 30. Um, look at verse 22. I'm sorry. Verse 22. Let's read that together. This is a powerful verse. Verse 22 says, one, two, three. For from day to day, men came to David to help him until there was a great army 
Like an army of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm getting ready to preach right here. You know, let me just calm down here. The army that David led is a type of the true army of God that he is raising up at this hour. The army that David led is a type of the true army that God is raising up at this hour. That's why we're looking at this text right now. This text, it's a powerful picture of the end time church. The church, beautiful bride, yet it's also a mighty army. It's an army of mighty warriors. Just as it's describing all these mighty warriors that were with David. This text is speaking about our generation. Saying God is raising up a great army. An army of mighty warriors at this hour. Um, The members of David's army, they served a king who was anointed but had yet to establish his government. We too serve a king that is anointed. He is the anointed one, the Christos. He has won the ultimate victory by defeating sin and death. But he has yet to establish the fullness of his kingdom here on the earth. But the Bible tells us the good news is the government will be on his shoulders. And the kingdom that we inherit, brothers and sisters, is unshakable. So just as the mighty warriors of David went out to battle confident that they will gain the victory and share in the joy of seeing their king being publicly recognized, we too must go out under the banner of our king, confident that every battle we fight is victory for us and joyful that one day every man will see him publicly recognize the true king the king of kings the true David the one who will take a throne that will last forever the mighty warriors of David they had to war against two enemies one was from the house of Saul and the other was from the pagan peoples around them And the way that David dealt with the house of Saul was different than the way he dealt with the pagan people. David never lifted his hand against Saul. He never lifted his hand against Saul. Even though Saul tried to kill David and plotted to hunt him down like a flea, David always returned blessing back to Saul. And that resulted in blessing for David. Favor for David. Protection for David. Deliverance for David. Hallelujah. So in this way, the army of God also has two enemies. The house of Saul is equivalent to Christians today in the church who are under the control of religious and political spirits. All they care about is tradition, about keeping tradition, All they care about is politics, power, position, money. 
Church is filled with people like that today. We are not to hate them and curse them, brothers and sisters. Just as David dealt with Saul, they may have been, actually, they may have been used powerfully by God at one point. But because uh, they did not obey the Lord's uh, word, they lost their anointing. But, you know, at one point, you know, they may have had a wonderful, powerful ministry. But for those people, when, when we encounter those people and those people criticize us, they oppose us, they slander us, we are to forgive, we are to pray, we are to bless them. Just like David did for Saul. Because although Saul was David's enemy, David dealt with Saul in a different way than he dealt with his other enemies. And in that same way, brothers and sisters, the enemies that we will face at this hour will not just be from the world. They will be from your own household. We're talking about family. We're talking about also the church. Your most painful enemies will be the enemies of your own household, brothers and sisters. Are you listening? Are you listening to this word? And the way you deal with those enemies is not the way you deal with the rest of your enemies. People within your own household, you pray for them, you forgive them, and you bless them. No matter how many times they come to do you harm. Do not demonize them. Do not brush them off. If you can discern that they're truly saved, don't label them and say, they're, they're doing that because they're not a Christian. There's enough of that going on in the church. No, the answer is not to label everybody a non-Christian. The answer is to forgive, pray, and bless. Thus Jesus said, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Why? Because we will come to an hour when your enemies will be from your own household. We are to love them. Hallelujah. And the pagan peoples... They represent, well, they represent pagan peoples. You know, back in the day, God would have his armies just go into a, a city, a town, and just completely destroy, annihilate pagan peoples with physical violence. And you know what? God ordained and commanded them to do that. God ordained and commanded Joshua to do that, Moses to do that, Gideon to do that, David to do that, to go into entire towns and pretty much decimate the entire towns. And for us, that looks like genocide. And for us, that looks like what a cruel and angry and wrathful God he is. But what you do not see, what you fail to see, is what was going on in those towns. The wickedness that God in His grace was putting to an end. That's a loving thing to do. When God no longer allows a city like Jericho, a city like Sodom and Gomorrah, to continue in their filth and wickedness, hurting the children, raping their own children, violence in their own streets. When God puts an end to that, that's not just an angry thing. That's a loving thing. But what we fail to see also is that while God was doing this, he was destroying the works of the devil. 
He was destroying the works of the devil. And in the Old Testament, he used physical violence to destroy the works of the devil. If you go into a town and you completely burn that town down, you don't leave a single survivor, guess what? Idolatry. Idolatry in that town is done. It's gone. Demons have to go somewhere else. All the work that demons, they lose it in one day. The purpose of the army was to destroy. Today, the purpose of the army has not changed. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Do not let the stigma of what I'm saying prevent you from hearing the spiritual truth. The purpose of the army has not changed. The purpose of the army today is to destroy. 1 John 3.8 says that the Son of God appeared for this purpose. To destroy the works of the devil. Jesus Christ came in the flesh to destroy the works of the devil. And he anoints us as his army to do the same today. Hallelujah. But you know what? We don't any longer, we don't use physical violence any longer. But we still use violence. We are to use spiritual violence. Prayers. The word of God. We are to use spiritual violence. If you don't know what spiritual violence is, just download one of our Friday Fire sermons from the last few weeks. God's been speaking to us about that. Hallelujah. And the good news is, once we destroy the works of the devil, the army also brings healing and love and life. You cannot bring healing and love and life into a city, into a nation, or into just one person's life. You cannot bring those things without first destroying the works of the devil in their life. When you destroy the works of the devil, it flows into them. When you don't, everything's going to block it up. Hallelujah. And you also notice that David's army, that some of the mighty warriors were guys that David built up. And then there are also... Those that were already mighty warriors that joined with David's army. So there's ones that he built up and then there's ones that were already mighty warriors that joined him. And I believe this speaks about partnership. In this way, we're going to raise up an army of mighty warriors here at this church. But we must also be open to partnering with mighty warriors that God has prepared in other churches. Missions organizations. In other nations. We got to be prepared to partner with them. Because just as David. You know David. When these men. In verse 16. The men of Benjamin. You know who the men of Benjamin are? Do you know what tribe that Saul was from? Benjamin. Benjamin. Benjamites. Or Benjamites. Or whichever translation one use. Benjaminites. I think it's Benjamites is more convenient. Benjamites. They were the kinsmen of Saul. It says in the earlier. They were his cousins. Uncles, aunts, uh, not aunts, uncles, maybe some aunts, maybe some Jaels, hallelujah. And they came to David and said, hey, let, let us join you. And David was like, what? But notice what David did. He didn't try to police them and control them and say, no, we will not associate with you. 
we know we we know we are suspicious of you. Now David didn't do that. Notice how David accepted them. David trusted in the Lord his God. He said, check this out. He said, if you're here in friendship to help me, then my heart will be joined to you. But if you try to betray me to my adversaries, although there's no wrong in my hands, the God of our fathers, may may he seek you, may he see you and rebuke you. David trusted in God. Even for the partnerships that were brought to him. You know, sometimes we try to take control over every partnership that comes our way. And we say, oh, I don't want to work with those people. Those people look like they're shady. I don't want to work with these people. They, they look like they're, they have all these weaknesses. And you know what? Sometimes we just got to trust the Lord. All right. Hallelujah. And praise the Lord. What happens? These guys were like, well, we, we might do that. <laughs> no, I don't know what they were thinking. But the spirit of the Lord comes upon him. This guy, Amasai. The guy says, we are yours, O David. Maybe they were reluctant at the, at the beginning. You know, these guys were serving Saul for many, many years. And all of a sudden, they got to turn toward David. Maybe they were reluctant. But all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came upon them. They said, we are yours, David. We're here to be elite. Our allegiance is to you. Oh, praise God. That's the stuff God does. Sometimes you might have even people that have a conspiracy to try to bring down your church. They might try to kind of partner with you just to like conspire. And they're actually, you know, and then the Spirit of God comes upon them. And then it's over. They become your best friends. Hallelujah. It's good news. It's good news. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is the true David. And the church at this hour is the true army of mighty warriors that God is raising up. Hallelujah. And let me show you just how messianic this passage is. Let me just end with this. Look at verse 38. Verse 38 says, all these, the men of war, arrayed in battle, arrayed in battle order, came to Hebron with full intent to make David king over all Israel. Likewise, all the rest of Israel were of a single mind to make David king. And they were there with David for three days, eating and drinking, for their brothers had made preparation for them. And also their relatives from as far as Issachar and Jebelin and Nephtali came bringing food on donkeys and on camels and on mules and on oxen, abundant provisions of flour, cakes of figs, clusters of raisins, I like raisins, and wine and oil, oxen and sheep. That's talking about steak. For there was joy in Israel. Hallelujah. The banquet that they have is one crazy party. Three days long. They had everything. They had the salad bar. They had the Chinese food. They had the steak. They had the Italian. They had the burgers and the hot dogs. Mm, I'm getting hungry. Hallelujah. It was a crazy party. I'm just saying. It was a crazy party. And guess what? Who do you think David invited to sit? With him on his table. Who do you think David invited. To sit with him at the table. They were the mighty warriors. The men. They were still dressed in battle. David said hey man. We've been through so much together. You have been so faithful. Come sit here at my table. Hey, you. Good and faithful warrior. You have paid such a high cost 
to come to where we are at. You have risked your neck. You have suffered with me. Come and sit at my table. But as this chapter ends, it's a messianic view of the great banquet. The great banquet of the Lamb of God. The great banquet of the return of the King. Jesus talked about it. Isaiah talked about it. The Bible talks about at the end times, there will be this great banquet, enormous feast. And who will sit at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Who will sit at the table with the king? They will be the mighty warriors of David. The ones that pay the price. The ones who step out and identify with Christ's sufferings. The ones who are mighty and valiant. Men and women. They will be given places of honor and crowns of glory. Hallelujah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Hallelujah. It's beautiful. And in Matthew eight eleven, Jesus said, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine you? You're going to be reclining. You're going to be chilling with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the same table. Can you imagine? I mean, how? Maybe it's a big table. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how many there will be. But just imagine being able to recline at that table. That's crazy. And Jesus said they're going to come from the east and the west. Hallelujah. But remember we read in our passage, guess what the Gadites did? These men crossed the Jordan while the Jordan was overflowing at its banks. And they put to flight all those in the valleys to the east and to the west. Brothers and sisters, those who put to flight the devil from the east and the west. Jesus is saying east and west. They're going to be so busy battling and expanding my kingdom. Putting to flight all the enemies of God from to the east and to the west. And at the end day, I will gather them from the east and to the west. And they will sit with me at my table. Hallelujah. I praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I, 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 just, I just need to share that. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Praise the Lord. Lord Father, we just do thank you, God. You are wonderful, mighty, magnificent, God. You are a, our great warrior king. The Lord is a man of war. You will have victory over your enemies. You will put an end to wickedness and deceit. And you will establish a throne that will be everlasting. A throne whose foundations are righteousness and justice. And we thank you that at that foundation, we find the cross of Jesus Christ. Where your son was crucified so that your foundation 
of your throne, of your kingdom, will be one that is built upon the cornerstone of your son, the cornerstone of his death, of him taking the punishment for us, absorbing your justice so that your, when you gather those people in whom you forgive, they will be a people that have been justified by the blood of the king. We thank you, God. What a mighty God we serve. How great is his love. How unsearchable his wisdom and his judgments. You will have mercy on whom you will have mercy. And you will have compassion on whom you will have compassion. We praise you, God, in the fullness of who you are. Raise up your mighty army, Lord. Mighty warriors of David, out of this church, out of the nations, people that will serve you with a single-mindedness. People, warriors, that will recline at the table of the king, whom you will gladly invite for the faithful lives that they've left. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.